Hello, Longview Point. If you will, take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to continue our study in the essentials of our faith. And so we're going to be looking at verses 10 through 17, but really focusing on 15 through 17 today and looking at the essential doctrine of the authority of Scripture, how we need to, to hold to, to God's Word being His Word to us and the understanding that it has authority over us. And so I hope that as we spend our time in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we'll look at a couple other verses too, that it will cause your heart to just be more in love with God's Word and who He is. So as we parachute in, realize that uh, the beginning of 2 Timothy chapter 3, he is talking to about false teachers who have led people astray and, and into immorality. But here he calls us to something greater and to be orthodox and to know about God's word. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, we'll start in verse 10 and read through verse 17. This is what it says. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus." All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. As we talk about the authority of scripture today, this is the, the topic that John Piper even calls the watershed issue of every generation. It is a battle that is constantly waging of knowing that this is God's word and that it has authority over us. It is the ultimate authority. Even dating back to the Reformation in 1517, when Luther goes and he nails the 95 Theses on the church, wall, uh, church door there in Wittenberg, he is stating that the Bible is the authority not the Pope, not the, the councils, but yet God's word directly from him to us is the authority that we hold on to. You see, this is an issue that's hotly debated in our time. It is the watershed issue that we continue to fight for and have been fighting for since the 1970s within Southern Baptist life. But now we've come out and or standing strong on that, but our culture around us is waging war against the sufficiency and the authority of the Bible. There was a survey done back a couple of years ago by uh, Ligonier Ministry and Lifeway, and, and as they asked questions about the Bible, the answers were really concerning. 43% of the people surveyed, of the 3,000 people surveyed, said it's 100% accurate in all that it teaches. 45% of Americans surveyed said that it is for each person to interpret as they choose. As you break it down to 18 to 34 year olds, 53% of them say that the Bible, like all sacred writings, contains helpful accounts of ancient myths, but is not literally 
true. And then finally, 49% say it has the authority to tell us what we must do. You see, there is within our churches and within our culture a desire to pick and choose things out of the Bible that we want to believe and not hold to it having the authority over us. We, we look at it and, and hear people talk and, and they will say that, you know, I like this or I want that. And like I said, it's, it's a buffet line of, of I like to take this meat and not that. But yet God's word says that we don't have authority over it, but it has authority over our lives. So I have two reasons why the authority of God's word is essential to our faith. The first one is, is right from scripture here that is so important. Number one, all scripture is breathed out by God and there is no higher authority. You see it in this verse, uh, 16, all scripture is breathed out by God. It is his, his words. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and he is the one speaking the words to the authors who have given us the Bible. And so we can trust it. We can know that it is who he is. It is his way of revealing himself to us. And there's no higher authority than him. And so his words, his decrees, his laws, his commandments, his truth that he has revealed to us, that is the universal truth. There is nothing greater than that. There's no greater authority than God's word. It is breathed out by him so that we can know him, so that he can reveal himself to us, his character, his goodness, his grace, his mercy, his justice. All of those things we know. Now I understand Romans 1 talks about the general revelation that, that we can see glimpses of him, but yet his word gives us the special revelation that he is who he says he is right here in these pages. And so we need to hold to the fact that all of this, not parts of it, all of this is what he has for us to know him. But as you look at it, I also realize that all of it is without error. There is not a mistake in it. There's not a contradiction as people try to pick out of it and, and set verses against each other. Realize that as we interpret it, as we look at it, his word is true and we can trust that there is no error mixed in it. There is not a single mistake because this is God's word revealed to us and his character is true and his word is true. And so we can trust it that as he is true and faithful, so is his word. So it is breathed out by God and there is no higher authority. And, and as it is that, there is no error in his words. There is no error in his, in his Bible that he has given us here. We could talk about the apologetics of it all, of how it all came together over the 66 books and all these people of different uh, backgrounds and education and the different languages that come up in it. But yet we know that the Holy Spirit inspired the authors to write the words that they did so that we can know who God is. And that's my next point. The scriptures supply all, all that we need to know about God's character, all we need to know for our salvation, 
and all that we need to know for life as a Christian. Look back at verse 15 here. It says, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You see, God's word revealed to us, tells us everything we need to know about God. Now, it doesn't tell us everything about God because he's too big to, to write that into words, right? But it tells us everything that we need to know about him. But it also tells us everything we need to know about salvation, about how to have a right relationship with him, about how we were all sinners who have rebelled against God, God and gone astray from his will for our life. And yet he still makes a way by sending his son, Jesus who comes and does not stray from that way. Like we talked about a couple of weeks ago with his divinity and humanity, how he led the perfect life, perfect obedience to the will of the father. And because of that, he pays the price for our sin on the cross and he dies and is buried. And then three days later, he raises again so that we can have a relationship with him because he's conquered death. He's conquered the grave. He's paid the price for our sin, taken on the wrath of God. And we when we trust in Him, can have salvation. You see that in Romans chapter 3 and 6 and 10 as you build through the Romans road and realize that we cannot get to God on our own, but He's made a way. As you look at Romans 10, flip over there for me for just a second. In Romans 10, it says this, and this is really alluding to the fact that we, we need God's word. Everything that we need is right here. It's sufficient for what we need for God's character and our salvation and a life as a believer. But it says this, verses 14 through 17. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news, who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed? What has he heard from us? Verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. This is the word of Christ that gives us salvation. You see, we need God's word to understand that path to him. And it may not be that as we're sharing God, uh, sharing the, the good news of the gospel, that we're quoting everything exactly. But yet we need to have heard the truth of God's word so that we can share the truth of God's word. We need to have heard the truth of God's word so that we could respond to God's word and have the Holy Spirit come and live within our hearts. So it tells us everything that we need to know in order to be saved. But as you look at verses 16 and 17 back in 2 Timothy, it's important for us to realize all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You see, God's word not only tells us about how to be saved, but it also tells us how to live our life for Christ forever after that. It teaches us, it reproves us, it corrects us, it trains us in righteousness that you're equipped for every good work, complete 
for that. His word is there. It is true. It is accurate. And, and it is so good for us because he provides everything that we need through his word. So what is the practical applications of this doctrine? What is the practical applications of this truth? How is it played out in our life on a daily basis? I think it can be summed up like this. We must come to God's word with reverence. It's a very simple statement. Come to God's word with reverence. What do I mean by that? We need to spend time with God's word. Like not overcomplicating it, not to, to, to make it something that is not, it's simple. If we must come to God's word, if all scriptures breathed out by God, he is the authority. He is giving us everything we need without error. Then why do we not spend time with it? This should be the most important time of our day is that we spend time soaking up his word, getting to know God more learning more of his character, learning more of, of who he is. We get so busy. We get to where, where it's so quick that that is what is taken out of our calendar of our day. But we need to put it as a priority. If we have a heart for the Lord, then our heart should also be for his word. And let me be clear, like I, I'm not trying to give a task for you to do something that you have to check off your list, put it on the calendar every day if it, it, you know, so that you make sure that you're doing it. No, this is not a task or a burden. Instead, this is a privilege that should be enjoyed and delighted in. Yes, there's parts of it. Yes, this is intimidating. It's a big book, but yet take it verse by verse. In the quiet, in the stillness, just reading through it, wanting to know who God is more. There's something about that silence, isn't there? When you're able to get alone, just you, the Lord, and His Word. I know that's uh, one, one of the times uh, every morning I love getting up before anyone else in my house does. Sitting there, have the same spot I sit in every time. Have my cup of coffee and it's me, God's word. Just getting to know him more before the craziness of the day starts. For you, it may not be early in the morning. It may be at lunch or, or lunch may not be good. It may be at the end of the day. But what I'm getting at here is that each day, as much as possible, spend time in God's word. It is his letter to you to tell you who he is. Don't view it as a task. Don't view it as trying to gain God's favor or, or to get something from him. But it's a chance just to get to know him. I think sometimes we view it as either a checklist where we have to make sure that we've, okay, we've read here. We, we're staying on track to read through it throughout the year. And there's this pressure to do that. But, but don't view it that way. It's not a heavenly bank account. It's not this thing where if you read, then God gives you credit, you know, and, and adds something to your, you know, he deposits into your account because you've done that. Oh, well, you didn't read it today. I'm withdrawing from your account now. 
or you've sinned, I'm withdrawing from your account now. No, this is not. God proved his love, the perfection of his love by sending his son to die on the cross for your sins. He cannot love you more than that. He has a perfect love that he's already demonstrated to you. So what you do is not going to add to that love and what you don't do or what you do uh, that is a sin is not going to take away from that love. But this is not to gain his favor. This is simply a privilege to be in the presence of the one who's given you the greatest gift ever. And so this sermon is this time that we have together. It's not to try to guilt you into that. We've all gone through those experiences before where maybe we felt guilty. And so we work really, really hard for the next few days to make sure. And maybe we start at Genesis and we make it all the way to Leviticus. And then we just wear out and, and can't keep pressing on. It's, it's the beginning of the year goal that we have all the time. This is not to make you feel guilty. But I hope that it inspires you to realize that this is God speaking to us. To know who he is. To taste and see that he is good. And his plans for us are good. And so I hope that you come to spend time in God's word that that set as the most important time of your day, every day. But my, my, my challenge for you is to come to God's word with reverence. So one is to actually spend time in God's word. Two, second, when we read God's word, do it prayerfully and carefully. Prayerfully and carefully. Ask the Holy Spirit, who, if you are a believer, is living within you, ask him to reveal God's text to you, to, to study it and to know it. But, but also be diligent to work through that text. Be diligent to, to not just read through it as fast as you can, to, to say that you've done it and, and mark it off your list and move along your day, but actually dive into it and say, okay, what is the author trying to tell me? Not what do I want it to say, not what does, does it mean to me, but what is that author trying to tell me? What is he trying to get to me to understand about who God is, about a command I need to obey, about a sin I need to avoid, or, or what I need to be doing here? And there's times where it's difficult, and there's times where, where, where we have to work even harder to make it make sense, but yet pray and be diligent. Work hard at it. So many times we want things to come easy and quick, but God's Word it, it, it deserves the time that takes to really sit with it and work through it. Not reading through it flippantly, and, but coming prayerfully and carefully to handle the text well, to handle God's word well. The third thing. So we want to read God's word. We want to read it prayerfully and carefully. We also want to read it and let it change you. So many times we can be puffed up with all this information. We have information at our fingertips to where you can look up anything you want to look up. You can read everything you want to read, but don't just get caught up in all the information and miss out on the transformation of your heart. 
Don't, don't, don't get a big head and, and have a hard heart to what God is calling you to do. Be transformed by the reading of his word. I think about John chapter 14, verse 15, that talks about if you love Jesus, then obey his commandments. There is this, this overflow of a love for Christ and then a fulfillment of the commandments. He's not doing away with it. He's called us to righteousness like we've talked about. It's for, his, for our good that he's called us to those things. That he wants us to live a holy life. That he's equipping us for every good work for the training in righteousness. So be transformed by the reading of God's word. I should be constantly seeking to learn more about Christ so that the Holy Spirit will conform me into the image of Christ. There's that change in our hearts because we see who Christ is. We see how we fall short of his standard. And so let's keep moving in that direction instead of staying where we are or continuing to rebel against him. I watched a show uh, just last night, actually. And, and in the show, you have this daughter who is shadowing her father at work. And, and as she's following after him, he comes across a personal conflict between two of uh, the, his workers for him. And they're arguing back and forth about it. And he kind of handles the issue. But she looks and, and just doesn't like the way that he handled it. And she pulls out this book. And I mean, there's a thick book. And she says, look, in this book, it tells you that you need to do this. One, two, three, four. And that's the way you settle personal conflict. And so she tries to do that and, and ends up, you know, kind of getting it all wrong. But as he's trying to, to wrap up the, the show and wrap up the, the situation here, because, you know, it always wraps up perfectly in a 22 minute show. He tells her, look, you need to read those books, all the books on leadership you can get. So that when you're in the difficult situations like the one today, your gut knows how to respond in those situations. You're able to read it right. Well, y'all, I, I, I'm not telling you to go out and read a bunch of leadership books and, or anything like that. But what I am telling you is that we should be such avid readers of this book that this should be so into our heart that no matter what the situation is that we come across, no matter what it is, whether it's the most joyous occasion, whether it's the most difficult hardship, whether it's celebration or mourning, that this word is overflowing from our lips and that it comes out. That this word, no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, that the Holy Spirit brings it up to us. That no matter what it is, we know how Christ would have us respond. Spurgeon was talking about one of the people that he admired and he commented on how if you pricked him, the Bible would just flow out of him. That's how much the man spent in God's word. We know people like that, don't we? People that as you interact with them, you realize the grace and the humility that they have in their life because you can tell that they just spend that time in God's word with their King Jesus. 
It's not that their faces are glowing, but there is, there's something about them, the integrity that they have, the humility that they have, the graciousness that they have. They are living out who Christ is. And the way that they're able to do that is because they sit under the authority of God's word. Is that true for each of us? To where we spend so much time in God's word that people say, he meets with Jesus. She meets with Jesus. You can tell by the way they talk. And so that's my challenge today. Like I said, it's not a task. It's not something that I'm asking you that, that you have to do this in order. No. What I'm saying is that we get to do this. We get the privilege of studying God's word, sitting under the authority of God's word, and letting that impact every aspect of our life. It is the authority. It has everything we need. And it is sufficient. So, here's my point. The Bible is our authority. And as we read it more, we'll love it more and we'll live it out more. I hope that you've been encouraged to do that today. That you will just hunger and thirst for God's word. And that it will be something that you love and not something that you feel like you have to do. So here are my questions for, for you as you're at home to, to discuss with those that you're watching this with. One, why is it important that the Bible be the basis for our beliefs? Why does that matter? Number two, what is your attitude when reading God's word or hearing it taught? Do you come with expectation? Do you come expecting God to do something as you read it and as you hear it? And number three, what are some action steps you can take to spend more time in God's word? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for today, knowing that each day is a gift from you. And Lord, I thank you for your word that you have spoken to us, that it is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword, that it is everything we need, that we can hide it in our hearts, that we may not sin against you, that it will be a light to our path and a lamp to our feet. Lord, we thank you that you have revealed yourself in such a way and that you give us this gift of salvation. So Lord, help us to, to make time, make it important just to meet with you, that we will love you more and love your word. It is so sweet, sweeter than honey, more precious than jewels, because it helps us to know you. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen.